0: Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740.
1: You are an old man who thinks in terms of nations and peoples. There are nations. There are no peoples. There is only one holistic system of systems. One vast and imane, interwoven, interacting, multivariate, multinational dominion of dollars. And you have meddled with the primal forces of nature. And you will atone.
2: Everybody knows that the days are loaded. Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed. Everybody knows the war is over. Everybody knows
3: live from Toronto, Canada. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarin from Zoomer Radio AM
4: 740. Knows it's very rare that I have anyone in the studio with me. Normally I conduct the uh, the interviews over the phone and we certainly have some uh, uh, guests joining us by phone tonight. Nils Hamron will be with us uh, a little bit later counting down to Armageddon, and, uh, of course, we have a very uh, a prominent figure in the the world of UFO disclosure coming up in, in just a second, but I, I just want to tell this story very quickly. Uh, last Sunday night, in the studio with me, although she did not appear on microphone, uh, much as I tried to convince her, was my mother-in-law, Avula. if you're listening. Uh, God bless her. She, she'd never been in a radio station before, and she's been probably going to kill me because I'm telling this story, but I just thought it was so cute. Uh, so she was... Uh, how should I say, not nervous, but she was some, somewhat excited to be in a radio station and she was uh, she was chatting up uh, George Ginescu and he was telling her how things work and she was very interested to know. She wanted to see what her son-in-law actually does uh, for a living. And uh, so at one point she disappears. Now, keep in mind, this is my mother-in-law. She's uh, of a certain generation, you know, constantly doting on others. That's all she knows is how to take care of other people. So she disappears for about what seemed like about 20 minutes and the last thing that I knew she was going to do was she was going to go to the kitchen and get me a glass of water. So she comes back and uh, she sits down there and I said, you know, Mateta, that's Greek for her mother, would you like to go on the microphone and say hello to anyone? And she says, no, no, there's no point. Both of my boys are in Florida. <laughs> so, you know, there's no one else there, out there apparently that would want to hear from her. And uh, And so then... Was it Dan? You basically spilled the beans. I I said, Dan, what, where did my mother-in-law go for the last twenty minutes? And she, he said, she was in the kitchen doing the dishes. <laughs> when I come in here, there's usually, you know, a, a sink full of dirty dishes, and she, <laughs> that's uh, there's there's uh, probably about a, a, a you know ten thousand people out there listening. Go, yeah, that's my mother-in-law or my mother too. So uh, anyway. Uh, So that was last week. This week, of course, uh, the only other person probably that I would ever allow in the studio, and uh, that is uh, dear friend... Uh, Victor Vigiani from Exopolitics uh, Canada. Victor, how are you?
5: Just fine, Richard. Just fine. What a story!
4: And uh, welcome Amazing. back from uh, <laughs> uh, some uh, some much deserved uh, time off uh, uh, south of the border. And I see you uh, you were on the on the beach uh, down in uh, in Mexico and and Key West. You took mm-hmm. a little light reading with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's
5: uh, th- is that Richard Dolan's book? Richard Dolan's book. Yes, uh, it's it's volume two, Richard and. Uh, uh, I'm just about finished. Well, I finished Volume One, uh, you know, uh, quite a while ago, and uh, Richard has released Volume Two: UFOs in the National Security State, uh, 1973 up until 1991, and I am about one chapter away from being finished. And anyone who is at all remotely curious or interested in the UFO phenomenon has to pick up this book and read it, cover to cover. And once you do that, you will come to the understanding that if, let's say, a university ever wanted to uh, begin a course on UFOs, this would be the seminal book uh, that, that would be on, on the number one on the reading list at any university anywhere in North America. Well, we had Richard Dolan on the, on the program mm-hmm. uh, the last time you were in studio, actually, uh, going mm-hmm.
4: back uh, maybe a month before Christmas, right. November, I think. Mm-hmm. And it seemed to me at that time that Richard Dolan uh, was a little less guarded. Not, he, not that he's ever been guarded, but he was unabashed about, you know, there was a time when Richard Dolan would say, I'm not really sure what these things are, but there's definitely something going on. And, and now uh, he, he, he doesn't hold back. Not at all. It's almost like he saw something, he spoke to someone, someone showed him some documentation, and it's just pushed him not over the edge, but almost.
5: Uh, To the point where he is absolutely convinced that what's going on in the skies is of an extraterrestrial nature. And I think if you look back even five to eight years, he may not have been willing to say just that. In his current book, he's interviewed so many different people, um, and close to the vest, uh, whistleblowers, government people, uh, researchers, and he's uh, he's completely convinced that this phenomenon is being not only covered up by by all major governments in the world, uh, but by major media. And actually, that's a, a focal point of a lot of the stuff in the book. It's how he handles the way media is actually ignoring and uh, and putting this thing on the back shelf or attempting to, anyways. But uh, if you do have a look at even just the introduction, just go to his website and look at some of the uh, the samples that he has and you'll become completely convinced that this man has not only looked at um, the writing of the book in a very assiduous way, but he's a historian. He, he, he taught history and uh, the way he writes, you can almost hear him talk. <laughs> If you, if you read a good book, you can hear the author talking. Right, that's, right. That's what Richard does, and it is a book of uh, unparalleled excellence, and I recommend it highly to anyone who's involved in a curiosity with this, uh, with this UFO phenomenon.
4: Victor Vigiani is uh, the director of uh, media relations for ExoPolitics Canada, which uh, leads us into really what will be our, uh, our uh, discussion for the next hour. And, of course, we recently just marked the, the first anniversary of uh, President Obama's uh, inauguration and uh, which is very significant to the ufo disclosure disclosure movement because uh, i don't think um a president has ever come to office with uh holding greater uh, promise for those in the ufo disclosure community so much was was pinned on this administration uh there was a feeling that because of some of the key uh, appointments that his administration made early on, whether it was uh, John Podesta, uh, who was part, who was uh, co-chair of the uh, the transition uh, mm-hmm. the, uh, team, uh, whether uh, it was uh, the the science czar, uh, John Holdren. Uh, here we had an actual you know scientist, not some bureaucrat, uh, being named to the post. Uh, Early on, a a commerce secretary was to go to, uh, I believe it was former New Mexican uh, Governor Bill Richardson, although that later was uh, scotched, and because of Bill Richardson's sort of connection to uh, the whole uh, UFO disclosure movement. So there was all of this anticipation that disclosure was going to happen during the Barack Obama uh, administration's first term. Now here we are, one year later, so it's time to, uh, to sit back, and I guess review and and uh, and uh, and find out: Are we any closer to the truth? Are we disappointed uh, with uh, with the progress that has been made? Are we are we heartened by it? And uh, to do that, uh, of course, we have to enlist uh, arguably the world's leading advocate in in this area, uh, in, in, certainly in North America, for ending the uh, the sixty one plus year government imposed truth embargo regarding the ET presence. And uh, that, of course, is Stephen Bassett, who uh, is a political activist, he's a lobbyist, a commentator, columnist, the founder of the Paradigm Research Group, the executive director of the Extraterrestrial uh, Phenomena Political Action Committee, the creator of the Paradigm Clock and the executive producer of a very important conference, which happens down in, in Washington, D.C. every year, called the X Conference. And, of course, we're always delighted when he has some time for us. Stephen Bassett, welcome to The Conspiracy Show.
6: Richard, Victor, nice to be back with you. Nice to be on your new home, your new
4: show. Thanks, uh, Stephen. Uh, so let me just ask you, after sitting back and watching Obama uh, and his administration for a year... Uh, Are you disappointed? Uh, Are you uh, uh, heartened by what has happened with regards to UFO disclosure?
6: Well, there's hardly anybody down here in the U.S. that's not disappointed with the last year politically. Um, And Obama and the Democrats have had a very difficult year, without question, on multiple fronts. And the, the, the disclosure process is a very complicated chess game that has been played now for some time vigorously since 2000 and certainly since 19 uh, um um uh, forgive me 1992 uh, i dis- the the window for disclosure really opens with the new elect with the election of 2008 and the reason is in a few words because it's a lot more complicated than this but the-, the fundamental reason was is that the the door opens uh, when the Cold War ends, for disclosure, because that was the principal barrier, that was the, the fundamental reason why they were not going to break ranks internally on this. Too much at risk, too much at stake. I understand that. So the door opens, but but still they got to get it done. Uh, there's still a lot of of, of of issues that need to be resolved, and of course it has to be done in a proper way, so forth. And what happened was is that uh, when Bill Clinton upset George Bush. And took over. He was not acceptable as a disclosure president to the to the military intelligence community uh, because uh, he didn't have the clearance.
4: He didn't have high enough uh, in, uh, intelligence ki- clearance, as far as as far as I know. Is that correct? Well,
6: the te- It's not that simple. It's not a matter of clearance. Um, uh, the president is the president, and technically, they they have all the clearance they want. But uh... he they didn't like him i mean they they did not like the man they did not feel he was uh... uh... uh somewhat uh... uh... in sync with the national security needs and so forth and he just wasn't acceptable it was very early still in the uh... in the uh... post obviously cold war period and so it wasn't a big deal they did try to get him out of office a huge effort was made to get him out of office and that was not Coincidental with the fact that he was approached by Rockefeller, Lawrence Rockefeller, uh, who wanted to move forward, wanted to get it done, and a significant effort was made to to out the issue, bring bring the records out, and and for him to be the disclosure president. That was fought off, and he won a second term, uh, to be followed by George W. Bush. And in George W. Bush, though some may may or may not be surprised by this was not not acceptable to the military intelligence community either. Uh, They didn't like him, and he was a real problem for them. And that dislike and breach grew and grew through the first term. So um, what we had was 16 years of two presidents who were not acceptable. And so I guess you could say that kind of swung the balance over to sitting tight. During that period, but of course, the dilemma was is that the pre- the pressure on the truth embargo itself grew grew substantially during that period when international um with the probably the hallmark of that being when France broke ranks in night, late nineteen ninety nine and issued in France the cometa report, which could have been clear i mean it said that that the e t explanation was the only one that worked and discussed why the u s was was being secretive on this and why it, and what it would take to end it. Now, this was this was put out by a non-governmental group. It just happened to include a whole bunch of admirals and generals and former guys that run the uh, the national security, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it was essentially a diplomatic move to send the message that France was kind of irritated with the delay, and that opened up the door. I opened up the uh, an avalanche of 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 other countries just coming in. And starting to make their uh, uh, pressure known by releasing UFO files, France right. uh, was, did that, and about 13 countries since then. Have done
4: Stephen, it. you've you've set the table nicely, leading us up yeah. to uh, uh, to the election of 2008. So when we come back, we'll pick it up from there. But I am particularly intrigued. I don't know if we'll have time to pick up on this, but the idea that the whole Monica Lewinsky, the the, the stained blue dress, that whole tawdry affair, uh, was a deliberate attempt by the um, I guess those uh, guardians of uh, the, the truth embargo, the UFO truth embargo, uh, to, uh, to kick Clinton out of office, perhaps because of the efforts uh, of, of he and, and, and Hillary and in, in their communications with Lawrence Rockefeller to bring disclosure about. Who would have uh, connected those dots? Certainly not I. That's why we have Stephen Bassett on the program and uh, Victor Vigiani in studio as well as we discuss UFO Disclosure, how close are we to learning the truth?
5: President uh, Clinton was asked a question by White House reporter Sarah McLennan about why he didn't do something about uh, disclosure. And Clinton replied, Sarah, there's a government inside the government,
7: and I don't control it.
3: Passcodes, personal identification numbers, social insurance numbers. If they make you wonder how private they are, here's two more numbers. 416-360-0740 or toll-free in Ontario, 1-866-740-4740. UFO disclosure. How close are we to learning the
4: truth? Are we closer than we were, let's say, a year ago, or are we further away? Stephen Bassett in studio from the uh, Paradigm Research Group and Victor Vigiani in studio from ExoPolitics Canada. Now, Stephen, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because the focus here is is Obama, but I I can't let that comment pass without pursuing it because it's such... It's uh, fa- so fascinating to me that uh, the, the the Monica Lewinsky, uh, you know, when, when when Hillary was talking about this vast right wing conspiracy, uh, and and that that, that uh, the uh, if I can call those responsible for this the uh, the guardians of the the the, the, uh, the truth embargo, were, were actually trying to get Clinton out of office because of his efforts along with Hillary uh, and and their communications with Lawrence Rockefeller to to get this disclosure movement thing going.
6: Let me clarify. I'm not saying there's a direct connection between disclosure issues, uh, the Rockefeller Initiative, and the Monica Lewinsky scandal. Uh, Clinton bought that on by himself, uh, and he had plenty of enemies and plenty of people who didn't like him. What I'm saying is, is that I have very strong suspicions that the 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 breadth and scope of the efforts to bring him down, which were fairly dramatic, uh, everybody knows knows that across the board heavily funded that that those efforts were being supported in one form or fashion by individuals uh, within government i suspect um, would have to be within government who were very concerned that clinton was going to get 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 on top of this ufo issue and possibly move to disclosure now how they assisted those attacks i don't know what role they played i don't know uh were they the sole reason for the tactical? No. But they were a factor. Um uh, just like the whole ET issue has been a factor in history for a very long time that is simply outside the books. In other words, it's it's just not included. In other words, you write you write history of anything in the last uh, of the human race since uh, 10,000 years ago. Uh, by and large, the, the vast mainstream historical industry has left that
4: out. And Victor, this uh, is why, though the whole field of exopolitics uh, has had to emerge. Why it's so important? Because we now need to to understand that this other motivation behind the political machinations around the world, and it is the ET factor. But uh, before right. I turn it over to you for a question, Victor, explain for those uh, listening that don't know about the Rockefeller Initiative, just in, in a few words, if you can.
5: You. Yeah. Well, basically, my understanding of the the initiative, uh, and Stephen can sort of back me up on this, is there was a series of uh, almost fifty three letters that uh, were exchanged among a series of people. Um, you're talking about uh, you know, press secretaries, uh, film producers, uh, political figures. These letters were exchanged uh, within the uh, the administration of of uh, of of, Rockefeller, of, um, of Clinton, exhorting him to look at Mr. President. You must look at the fact. Surrounding an ET presence, and you have to look at executive orders that will release information that will uh, enlighten uh, the press and, and the general public about the facts about surrounding the extraterrestrial presence. Now, Clinton, I know, was uh, through. I, I guess some some of the uh, the actual was it Jack Gibbons, uh, the the science advisor, and some of the other individuals who received the letters from uh, from Rockefeller, exhorting them to look have the president look at all this information and it was pretty quickly turned away and even Hillary Clinton was involved because she was kept informed about certain things that were going on regarding the extraterrestrial presence. And there's a lot of information that's coming out right now that she met directly with Rockefeller. And there is one thing that's just come open about uh, the open mind on the Open Minds forums that uh, during one of the meetings that they had, she was caught walking down a walkway with uh, with Florence Rockefeller carrying a book of some kind. I know Stephen will probably enlighten us on this a little later on. But the whole Rockefeller initiative was motivated by uh, his. His intentions to say, Mr. President, you know what the facts are, or you can have access to them, so let's move ahead with this and let's you know, s- stop, stop the stonewalling. And basically that whole effort was shut down pretty quickly.
6: Uh, let me elaborate. Uh, the Rockefeller Initiative is kind of the linchpin in the, in, the, in the final part of this chess game. It's a key piece. It was added to our board at that time, and we're still using it. It's an important, powerful piece uh... but it was more than just letters this is a three-year concerted effort by rockefeller formally engaging the office of science and technology policy and executive branch uh... so it was a formal uh, uh... approach involving you know all the bells and whistles It included meetings uh... research reports a book was generated uh... there were meetings offsite at the at, at the JY ranch between rockefeller hillary clinton and bill clinton uh... all this has been documented so this was and it and it lasted for three years uh, it went on for three years, and it didn't damp down. The only reason it it finally ended is because Clinton couldn't be the disclosure president, and there was going to be no cooperation from anybody outside of the executive office, which I'm sure they figured out. But whatever. They left behind a, a paper trail, and that paper trail is what Grant Cameron got a hold of in 2000 when he filed an F, a critical FOIA to, to the Office of Science and Technology Policy. Cameron is the leading researcher in the world on this issue uh, a president of presidents and UFOs. And if you go to presidentialufo.com, you you just read the Clinton section. It'll take you a good while, and you'll you'll get the picture. Uh, I have I have I have condensed that into kind of a powerful. Uh, a visual uh, a presentation of this at uh, my website paradigmresearchgroup.org, where you can see the key 173 documents. You can see some of the photos. You can see uh, a lot of stuff that that shows what happened there, and uh, and because the players involved have gone on to become and still are major players in government and world affairs this now is a political issue it cannot be avoided and so while the rockefeller initiative failed then it may actually be the the deciding factor in tripping the media now and ending the truth embargo so lawrence has left a legacy here we intend to use that that's what's going on here and 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 to make a long story short look disclosure will lead uh... To the complete re examination of human history, the whole enchilada, all the way back to, to to the flood. And that includes a significant portion of the political history of the 20th century after 46. So, you know. Historians are going to have a bulk ball. I mean, it, it, they've got a, a wonderful time ahead of them. It'll generate countless books of every form and manner, and so uh, I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be really fun. But a huge section, uh, portion of human history was 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 uh, ghettoized. It, it was excised and put off to the side, and and now we have to reinsert it back in, and that's going to be uh, quite interesting to watch happen.
5: But in the context, Stephen, of the the larger picture of how all of this, uh, you mentioned the flood going back in history, and I know that's a metaphorical reference, but in fact that's that's true, uh, with the extraterrestrial presence being what it is and what you have seen it uh, evolve to become since you became involved in all of this. Could you sort of condense for us and bring us sort of up to date with, number one, what you feel is exactly the, the profile of the extraterrestrial presence? And then if you could comment, you know, do that in, in a, in a bit, of, bit of a swoop form up until to the point where you have all of these letters and this information and how the Washington press corps just might bite on this if they ever get a hold of it and don't feel that they're going to be alienated and ghettoized themselves by asking a question at a press conference of the president right now big question.
6: Well, well my my expertise is understanding the political processes and media processes underway and using them to get what we want and what we want is disclosure. My expertise is not on the alien profile. I don't I I only am able to guess at what extraterrestrials want uh we don't even know how many uh, civilizations we're dealing with we don't know their agendas certainly uh, in 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 specific, with specifics uh we have tens of thousands of reports coming back from contactees abductees whatever you want to call them which do paint an interesting picture it's a kind of a bell curve of of reports mm-hmm. and those things should be studied in huge detail by every institution in the country but of course they're not because there's a truth embargo underway but it doesn't to me ultimately matter what the alien agenda is what matters is that the, the citizens of the, the, of the world and their countries have been denied the, the, the truth of, of their presence. And until we get that out, we're not going to get at the, at the details. We're not going to know about them. Uh, uh, we're not going to know what the government knows, and we're not going to have the ability to properly research on our own because we have no funding what's going on. And so disclosure is, is the be all end all of this process. You, you have to have it. You have to go through that door. Everything else will be significantly degraded, mitigated, uh, limited, incomplete. And so disclosure is it. Uh, and with respect to that, um, what it's coming down to is, uh, after 13 years of this, is that the the, the truth embargo is, is basically, look at it look at it as a, a very ch- a long and powerful chain, and any one of the links breaks, and the embargo is ended.
4: Well, that, that uh, weakest link may be in the Washington press corps, uh, so why don't we uh, get back to that when we do a little business here. Stephen Bassett with the Paradigm Research Group, Victor Vigiani in studio, ExoPolitics Canada. Yes, let's drill down on that. What is it going to take for someone to stand up in the Washington Press Corps and ask that question that sets uh, forth uh, those dominoes that will lead to, ultimately, UFO disclosure? Back with more in a few moments
0: on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740.
4: Every week I get uh, dozens of emails and voicemail messages. When are you having Nils Hamron back on the show? Well, your, uh, your prayers, I suppose, uh, that's appropriate, have been answered. Uh, Nils will be with us tonight. Nils Hamron, author of The Seal of the End Times. And for those of you that are interested in uh, biblical end times uh, prophecy and how uh, today's newspaper headlines are actually revealed... Uh, in, in pro- or the prophecies are revealed in today's newspaper headlines is another way of looking at it. Uh, you'll be delighted to know Nils will be joining us a little later in the show. And uh, tonight we're going to focus on h- how the uh, EU uh, is, uh, I suppose, revealed in, in, uh, in, in prophecy and uh, might, in fact, uh, be the new Roman Empire. All right. Uh, back to the matter at hand, which is UFO disclosure. And how close are we? now uh... Victor, you were asking uh, Stephen Bassett about uh, the Washington Press Corps, and obviously mm-hmm. that is that that's going to be one of the keys here. Uh, you had the, something in Dolan's book. You well, to...
5: yeah, the the, the the whole idea, and I know that uh, Stephen's been throwing this stuff around for quite a while in terms of you know, the effectiveness or the potential effectiveness of of a, of a question that may come up in uh, in a press conference uh, by the Washington Press Corps when they have Obama at their beck and call uh, on one of these press conferences. Um, it, it, Something uh, is, is written in, in Richard Dolan's book, and I just want to read it for, for Stephen and for, uh, and for the, 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 the listeners. In, in 1988, Catherine Graham, the publisher of The Washington Post, a longtime uh, apparent collaborator uh, with the CIA, told the CIA audience that, and I'm quoting this here, says there are some things the general public does not need to know and shouldn't. And she says, I believe democracy flourishes when the government can take legitimate steps to keep its secrets and when the press can decide whether or not to print what it knows. Now, in that context, um, Stephen, could you outline the the, the restrictions, the, the, the strictures that are placed upon people who call themselves journalists in uncovering the truth who are part of the Washington Press Corps that come to you know, presidential press conferences, and who are literally and figuratively um, stopped from asking any questions at all about this kind of information. Um, could you just elaborate on that for us, and 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 let us know the kinds of restrictions that are apparent there?
6: Okay, uh, the the truth embargo is a highly uh, well-funded, elaborate propaganda effort by the government to essentially. Contain this issue, even though the the ET presence is there and and seen all the time, and it's very very tough, very tough task as they proposed. Controlling the media or are, are, was it was critical, but it's all kind of a package. Um, the 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 way they did it was to ghettoize the issue, intellectual ghettoize ufology, to to make it tainted and uh, ridicule it, embarrass it, whatever, and make people want to stay stay away from it. Right, make it radioactive in a sense. Okay, once you do that, then that raises a problem for any institution engaging it whether it's a, a grant in MacArthur institute you know, grant funding whatever. Uh people are afraid to touch it. Don't want to be with it. Same thing with the press. And so the press sort of steer away from it because of that. I think in the early days, however, they actually cut deals with the networks and with the top papers. Don't go there, right? It's for national security reasons. We're talking the late 40s, early 50s. Don't go here. We we, we don't want this out. And they went along with it. And over time, it became institutionalized. Literally, It was like unquestioned. I don't think you had to keep calling them back up and say, don't touch this. And so the thing becomes institutionalized, and, and that media just kind of goes along with it. In general, every reporter has got to answer you know, to their peers, they've got to answer to their editors, uh, in some cases they have to answer to their associations, and political reporters who have to get access passes to these various agencies have got to answer to the press offices for the White House, for the Department of Defense, for the Secretary of State. And so they have these people to answer to, and, and so when they, when they think about what they're going to do next, they, they do worry about how it's going to affect those, those entities. And, and it has to do with their access and their press pass, and they have become way too timid and way too fearful for uh, their status and for their access. And as a result, have failed us. They failed us repeatedly, going all the way back to the Gulf of Con, Tonkin resolution. I mean, they just keep failing to, to get tough, to stand up and, 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 and bite into the issue and say, I'm not, "I'm not sitting down again until I get a clear answer from you." <laughs> They're not doing it, and the consequences for the United States have been rather dramatic. This issue is the poster uh, child for that, and it comes down to try to get them to make their move, and I think they're ready. Um, To to, to quickly summarize, uh, the embargo chain has been attacked at various lengths. One of the approaches was legal. There was an attempt by a number of people and groups to try to drag the issue into the courts, and they're in within the courts under some sort of O's, and uh, that they would get the information out and would have a dramatic impact. That didn't work, primarily because the cost of going legal is incredibly expensive. And it's under the rules and regulations of the system, which, which the government can use in their favor. And so you're really it's a rig game and you go into the courts and they can there's a dozen ways they can just knock you out. And so it just didn't work. The only legal successes we've had of any consequence were in fact the filing of FOIA uh and the lawsuits that followed failure of proper response to the Freedom of Information Act requests and it's helped get documents. But in terms of breaking the truth embargo, no, it didn't work. The other was to go up to Congress. Considerable effort was made to get the Congress into this, going all the way back to the 40s, uh, and it hasn't worked. The last hearing we had was 1968. There have been a few behind-the-scenes attempts to get hearings; they all failed easily. And the Congress, as it happens, has become increasingly ineffective, almost to the point of becoming useless. And so, Congress, as, a, as a, that particular link in the embargo chain couldn't get through the executive branch has been approached in a number of ways and there's, there's still some possibilities there and and so i don't rule it out uh... the other link in the chain has been foreign pressure if one of the other countries in the world would break and so there's a lot of work going on there and it's very possible that that link will break and that'll be it the link that we're focused on, Paradigm Research Group now, is I think the most promising, and that is the political press in Washington, who have been fed material for now, oh, 20 years. I mean, there's just so much material floating around this town, and so much stuff has been shoved under their door. Believe me, they know what's going on. And so, uh, given the fact that the White House Press Corps has got daily access, Monday through Friday, to the White House Press Secretary, and then, of course, the rest of the political corps is, is approaching the other agencies, that if we focus on them, we don't, you know, we don't need hundreds of them to break ranks. We just need two or three. Mm-hmm. Just two or three to dig in and go for it. And probably, uh, the, well, the answers are not going to be acceptable because there is no acceptable answer except the truth right now. And so if, the, if, these, if a couple of these people break ranks, we think they can trigger a media storm. This is why the Facts on Washington was created and launched on November the 5th of last year. Namely, no, November the 5th of 2008. Um, is to, we prepared the groundwork throughout 2008 by expanding the exopolitical uh, awareness worldwide, creating the Exopolitics World Network, getting the UFO issue into the presidential campaign down here. We succeeded there. And then uh, we launched Facts on Washington to start sending letters, like in the case of, of, uh, of Jimmy Carter, uh, calling for disclosure, calling for hearings, calling for briefing, calling for amnesty for witnesses, calling for that technology. We want it out. And those went to the president-elect from November 5 to January 20, and then we directed all that same correspondence based upon the talking points of facts on Washington.org to the new president from January 21 to May 31st. We didn't get disclosure, not surprising. And so then we shifted to the final phase to go after, with all that preparation ahead of time, sort of softening up the situation, we go after the White House press corps. And since June 1st, you know a lot of letters faxes and emails are pouring into the press corps care of their association the white house correspondent association single single point one fax one email one mailing address uh and they have yet to acknowledge they're even getting it and and when the white house was asked about it the, the white house press secretary was asked about it he wouldn't comment and so we've really got them backed up against the wall billy cox of the sarasota health tribune has actually con- called them and emailed them specifically uh, what about this correspondence they won't even respond to him and so we've really got them in a corner here, and they know it. And so these letters, faxes, and emails are coming in from all over the world. I mean, there's no problem with that. The more at, the, the ones out of the country are, or even probably more impacting the ones in the country. And at some point, some reporter is going to step up and say, we want to see this correspondence. Well, interestingly enough, they can see samples of it by just going to factsonwashington.org. I've got samples of the correspondence to Obama and the correspondence to the WHCA. It's all right there. Pretty interesting letters, by the way.
4: My money and, would have been on Helen Thomas to be the one to ask that question. But, I mean, would she be taken seriously if she would ask that question at this point? She's 90 well, years old. It
6: would be taken seriously if they stuck to their guns. But, you know, the, the White House press corps has lost its spine. When Helen Thomas challenged the, the the Bush administration on the Iraq war, they cut her off. They didn't let her ask a question for two years, and the press corps didn't stand up. What the press corps should have done when they blackballed Helen Thomas and made her sit there is that they should have all gone on strike and said, we're not even coming to this room until you let her ask questions. They didn't do
4: it. Secret and, Service can pull their, can pull their pe- press credentials, right? They and, have, they, and you and don't work in that their, town
3: anymore.
6: They're worried about their access to that room. But let me tell you, this issue is maturing fast and it, it, what they need is if enough people send letters faxes and emails to the white house correspondent association based on the talking points at white house, at the facts on washington.org they're getting the message that the people are behind them they're a little unsure about their peers or their editors and they're worried about the association but if they, they, the people say hey we're behind you ask these questions it's going to make them easier to do this there's a lot to be gained big stories breaking news Pulitzer prizes is all there for them and it may not be them. It may be the people covering the, the, the Secretary of State, the State Department, who may get up and say, "Look, uh, Mrs. Clinton, you've never been, Secretary Clinton, you've never been asked about the Rockefeller Initiative. What happened back
4: then? All right, <laughs> when we meet with him? when we come back to the phones, we'll go New Jersey, Rochester, Wisconsin, all lining up for Stephen Bassett as we dis- we talk disclosure. How close are we to the truth when it comes to UFOs? Victor Vigiani in studio. This is Richard Serrett. You're listening to the Conspiracy Show.
8: I think it's time to open the books uh, on, on uh, questions that have remained in the dark, on the, on the question of, of government investigations of, of UFOs. It's time to find out what, what the truth really is that's out there. Uh, we ought to do it really because it's right. We ought to do it because the American people, quite frankly, can handle the truth. And we ought to do it because it's the law.
3: Shaking the world and seeing what falls. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio, AM 740.
4: That was a clip from uh, John Podesta, who was co-chair of the Obama-Biden transition team and a lot in the uh, UFO disclosure uh, movement. Stephen Bassett, uh, and certainly my colleague Victor Vigiani um, included... Uh, we're very uh, excited about Podesta being named to the post uh, for the for the very reason he, he just uh, outlined there. So now that Podesta is no longer, uh, uh, you know, not a factor, not no. a factor, but, but still I would think ha- would would have some influence. Uh, but, but but what about okay? So so Podesta is more or less out of the picture. Really isn't going to be able to to push uh, the the disclosure agenda. But but what about the science? Are uh, John Holdren uh, is as he. Made any uh, announcements? Delivered any speeches? That has, uh, if you read between the lines, you're you're able to sit back and say, aha, he's got disclosure on his mind. He's concerned about UFO alien or alien technology.
5: My answer to that question it, is a, is an indirect no. Um, going back to Podesta, the fact that he came forward in the way that he did. And the timing, uh, the way that he did, he did it twice actually, and th- the way he did it, uh, it's sort of a crack in the armor in a lot of ways. The fact that a former chief of staff in a, in a presidential administration would come forward and actually challenge the government on that front, I think is significant, and I think Stephen would agree with me on that. The fact that it happened is is, is uh, historical. The fact that it, um, the, the resonance of that incident, I think, are still uh, in the minds of a lot of politicians, hoping that that issue will not come up again. That that John will not raise his head again in that way. Now, what is keeping John's head low on this? I don't know. But the fact of the matter is, in, just before the other break, we came forward with, uh, with uh, John, uh, Paul Hellier making his statement about the government within a government. That's another aspect to this. The government may not be, in fact, in control of this issue. The United States government may, in fact, not be as deep as you want to go in the American government. The CIA, the NRO, all of those agencies may, in fact, not be in any kind of control of this issue. The Washington Press Corps, no matter who asks the question, may not be in control of this issue. The fact of the matter is there may be entities out there who are much more international in scope, much more globalistic in scope, that have control of this issue. And that's the fear that I have, that the President of the United States is, may be out of the picture on this. And now I'm not sure how Stephen would react to that statement, but the fact of the matter is there is a large entity out there that may control this beyond any international governments.
4: Stephen?
6: Uh, Let me, this is what I do, right? So let me clarify uh, and update you fellas. Uh, uh, First, uh, John Podesta is not out of the picture. Uh, John Podesta is very much in the picture. Uh, First and foremost, um, he is the head of the Center for American Progress, which is really the Democrats' think tank right now. Uh, and it's funded by George Soros, who's the number one backer of the Democratic Party. George Soros' number one issue is, in fact, open, transparent government, which is why open, transparent government was part of the campaign. After the election, um, or after, after I'm sorry, after Obama was in office, you may recall he made a very important trip to China, uh, non-trivial trip. And if you go back and review the news clippings or the news on that and look at some of the uh, photos as well as the video, you will see that in his meetings in China, who was sitting right behind him? John Podesta. And when he got back from the Chinese trip and came down off the airplane, who was right behind him coming down the gangplank? John Podesta. I can assure you, John Podesta is a major player in the Democratic Party. He's just not in the administration, which in fact may be an asset for him. Secondly, John Podesta knew exactly what he was doing when he walked out, uh, walked into that room on uh, October 22nd, 2002, to make those comments that he did. It was a press conference being held to start the uh, Coalition for Freedom of Information, which was to engage the issue in Washington, D.C. with some money from the Sci-Fi Channel. His brother's uh, uh, PR firm was was going to be the PR firm for this operation. It was going to be filmed. It was being filmed. And, of course, the press could be there. There weren't many press there, a couple of reporters, but that wasn't their fault but the thing was filmed and they put it up on their website John knew exactly what he was doing and what I believe he was doing was essentially uh, anticipating they were going to win the election in 2004 they really thought they were going to win John Podesta was sending a message out to the world to the Republicans to the other Democrats, people that we're not going to get emails from them about this. There's no way to really directly communicate with this outside of a very tight group. Otherwise, the whole thing is out in the open. He was basically sending a message. We're going to act on this. This is on the Democrat uh, platform.
4: On UFO disclosure. Follow? On
6: UFO disclosure. Exactly. Okay. And get ready. That's exactly what he did. He then came back in 2003, said it again. And so there is a game plan here. This is not done casually. There's no accident. He just didn't get up and decide to do this on a whim. No way. And so this is all part of the process. But yet we still haven't got disclosure Um, because it is still a
4: difficult thing to finally do. Do you think that Podesta has had heart-to-heart conversations with uh, the president in the Oval Office about this issue?
6: I, wouldn't be, I would be very surprised if he hadn't, whether it was in the Oval Office or not, I don't know. Probably the safer bet was to have those discussions during the transition period when such a, they could do anything they wanted and nobody was really paying that much. I mean, the, the press is not all over you during that period. Uh, when, once you get in the White House, it's a different ballgame. I do not know what's been said behind the scenes. But John Podesta has never come forward and repudiated his statement. He, he's avoided further comments. He's been approached several times. When, when Look, Edgar Mitchell calls for the end of the truth embargo. Nobody in the administration repudiated that, neither did Podesta. There is a chess game going on here, gentlemen, which is very complex, but it only leads one place, and that's the checkmate of the truth embargo. And with all of that in mind, uh, you see, and, and, and look, the press down there at the press Core. They know about Podesta. They know about these comments. They just need a little more encouragement to break ranks. And in general, I think that of all the various chains in the truth embargo, the link that could break the soonest is, in fact, the press corps in Washington, because their whole race on Detra is to do exactly what we're asking them to do: to go after the big story. To challenge the government to stand up, to look good, and win Pulitzer prizes.
5: But Stephen, this is Stephen, the biggest
6: news story of all
5: time. Yeah, Stephen. Let me just sort of bring this to a point of of clarity. Is it as simple as what happened with Watergate, when you get two, um, you know, almost neophyte, uh, you know, journalists with uh, Woodward and Bernstein, and they grab a hold of something that they've got information of, and an editor says, "Yes, run with it." Um, is it as simple as a couple of journalists with a lot of chutzpah saying to their editor, be it The Post, The Washington, you know, Los Angeles, whatever, it doesn't matter what newspaper, yeah. but it, that has some traction within the American media or international media? Is it as simple as one or two of these people actually grabbing hold of this issue, grabbing it by the throat, throwing it on the front pages of one of these newspapers and mm-hmm. things bursting open? Is it? in your estimation, that simple, or are there other things going on in the chess game that may control those kinds of things happening?
6: With respect to the press corps, it's that simple. In fact, it's even easier than Watergate, much easier than Watergate. As Watergate started to unfold, the vast majority of American people had no idea what it meant. The vast majority of American people didn't even know about the break-in, all right? And, uh, And so the particulars and what it meant was completely unknown. And so these two guys, Woodward and Bernstein, go out to sort of try to unravel this. And eventually, after a great deal of effort, they come up with enough goods to get a story train going. Of course, the New York Times was involved too. And boom, they they bring the president down. (laughs) This is way beyond that. We got an issue here that's virtually known to every living person in the first world. The vast majority of people in the world know about the ET presence. This is not a secret; never has been. The awareness of the subject is universal. Uh, The amount of material out there is vast. The whole thing has been proven. They don't have to prove anything. All they're going to do is try to get the government to acknowledge the emperor is as naked as a jaybird. That's all they're doing. It's really trivial. Uh, And so, compared to what Woodward and Bernstein doing, this is like cutting butter with a chainsaw. They just can't bring themselves to do it. And uh, but you know, um, at any moment. One one editor, one one paper, one whatever is going to say, "I want those Pulitzer Prizes. Go ask about Hillary, go ask about Panetta, go ask about Richardson, go ask about Edgar Mitchell, go ask about Podesta. You know these people are running the world right and and, and they can't address an issue that they were involved in you go, as I say, you go have a minor affair with a, with a, a fling in Argentina and 10,000 media send on you and write a million words. But you engage the UFO issue with a billionaire friend and for three years and it's like not a single question. So that's the truth embargo. Some people say we're all being diverted by this other crap, and that's why it's deliberate. And so they don't ask the real questions, they go after the silly news, that keeps us all happy. It's not that simple and it's not that coordinated. They are all victims of the truth embargo, as are we.
4: All right, let me uh, president. let me step away. When we come back, I promise we'll get to the phone calls. But let me just uh, go into this break with with, with this: uh, the the people that own the newspapers, the people that own the uh, the the means of production, the, the military-industrial complex, the people that can tell the president, I'm not going to let you find out anything about this. Aren't they the ones that are really ultimately uh, keeping the lid on this? Because. Maybe I'm going out to you know too far out on a limb here, but they're the ones that have this technology. They're the ones that are benefiting from this from this uh, truth embargo, and uh, they're not going to let uh, uh, the next Woodward and Bernstein write about this because they own it. I don't know. That's we'll uh, we'll noodle on that. and We'll come back and uh, continue along as we discuss UFO disclosure. How close are we to the truth? Victor Vigiani in studio, and Stephen Bassett joining us by
0: phone to the phones we go i promise on the other side you're listening to an exclusive podcast of the conspiracy show with richard serrett heard every sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on zoomer radio the new am 740
4: nils hamron will join us a little bit later we'll probably delay him by about 10 or 15 minutes and we'll discuss a biblical prophecy is the european union the new roman empire and um uh, can it be found allusions to it uh, in uh, biblical prophecy, and uh, also, uh, of course, we have this um, unimaginable horror that's taking place in Haiti, and uh, I, you can't ignore uh, when you do this type of show. You can't ignore that the chatter out there, and uh, you can, you can, you can dismiss it wholeheartedly if you'd like or you can say well that's intriguing we should talk about it well we're going to talk about it and that is the speculation uh, that the 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 powers that be the some elite group has at their disposal a type of weapon that could cause an earthquake some sort of tectonic uh, weapon I don't know going back to the days of Tesla and uh, the president of Venezuela. Uh, of course, who loves to call uh, you know the, uh, the 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 current document of the White House, uh, no matter who it is, you know the devil and and uh, but he, he says Hugo Chavez has uh, got, uh, come forward and said that this is exactly what happened that the U.S. tested a weapon against Haiti and later they're going to use it on Iran. So we'll we'll discuss that and we'll do so with uh, 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 Nelson Thal a little bit later. Right now, we continue to talk about uh, UFO disclosure, and I must get to the phones. You've been very patient, and we'll begin with Keith in Rochester. Keith, welcome to The Conspiracy Show.
1: Yes. since I won't be on for that segment, you mentioned uh, high technology that might cause an earthquake. I'm holding here a book entitled Angels Don't Play This Harp by Dr. Nick Begich. Yes, yes. And uh, there is technology that uh, may be forthcoming. I wanted to advise your guests that you're putting way too much emphasis on the so-called good personalities of Obama and the Clintons. Without question, these people are corporate uh, Democrats. Uh, They're not the true liberals and progressives that they're made out to be. Even a progressive like John Podesta or a George Soros, because of his wealth, these people wanted on their own, certainly Soros with his gigantic ego, if they had knowledge of alien visitations, it would have come forth already. Without bragging, because I was in the military, you probably need a torpedo like me to go into a place such as Wright-Patterson, where supposedly the bodies from Roswell are kept, but I would be riddled with uh, rapid automatic fire before I could get out of there. Um, if, the, if there are true secrets, you're going to need someone like me, even though I'm very right-wing in my thinking, but I believe that people ought to know if we've been visited, you're gonna, you would need someone like me just to go in and say, hey, I'm going to smuggle this stuff out. And, uh, but until you have that, uh, thinking what Obama or even uh, Mrs. Clinton meeting uh, with uh, Rockefeller, That's not going to get the job done. I also want to ask the obvious, referring to the 1951 movie, The Day the Earth Stood Still, with Mr. Uh, Michael Rennie there, Uh, the old proverbial, until the aliens land on the White House front lawn, you're not going to have people believing. I have to imagine that uh, if these aliens really surpass us, they would want us to know of their presence. But I'm asking everyone to uh, keep a... um, uh, a, a realistic mind on this. There are no heroes out there. The Obamas and the Clintons are way overrated. Okay, Keith, and, I got uh, you.
4: Listen, I got a lot of people waiting. I, I thank you for your comments. There, there are some interesting uh, points in there. Uh, let me follow up on that quickly. Is it possible that, uh, that that Keith is correct, and this is to either Victor or uh, Stephen, that Barack Obama, much, much has been said that, that he is essentially a, uh, a uh, he's Wall Street's guy. Uh, and so he might in fact be part of the problem and not the solution that you would anticipate
5: very quickly, my comment on that would be, as I alluded to um, to Stephen a little bit earlier, that uh, my sense possibly is that the president of the United States and a lot of the key figures in, in political power are in fact out of the effective political loop on this issue, that there are other factors in control that we have no idea exist. Uh, I'm not sure uh, how Stephen feels about it, but that's kind of the way. Yeah.
4: Stephen, is, is, Barama, is Obama in fact playing for the other team and maybe you just don't know it?
6: No, no, the problem the gentleman is is off base because he's not he's he's looking at it incorrectly. He's not getting the picture here. Um I, 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 it isn't about, you know, whether Obama's good or the Clintons are good. The point I was making is is that the engagement of the issue by the Clintons during the Rockefeller initiative opens the door to ask the questions that can push this issue forward. So it isn't about whether they're good bad or anything else. Um, secondly, uh this is the way it's happening. Uh, and people don't don't get it. They need they need to understand. This isn't about Obama per se. The Democrats I believe want to disclose, fine. But that ain't gonna happen unless the military intelligence operatives that run this show, the, the management committees that run this down deep, uh go along with it. And so this disclosure will actually come from below. It will it will come the, the military intelligence committees that run this are uh, will disclose they, they want to disclose we believe the sense has been for some time that they actually would would like to get on with this, uh, but they want it to, to be done uh, under terms that they're comfortable with, and they want the right president uh, and that 's the point I was making. neither Bush nor Clinton were the right president for them um, the, This situation now is different. I think they can live with Obama, they could have lived with McCain or Clinton. Uh, they're, they're, uh, and then, given the amount of pressure that's on the truth embargo, they need to move ahead. And unless the president was wholly unacceptable, I think they would move ahead. And so what happens is they decide, okay, let's go. They then contact uh, or agree to meet with the Obama people, obviously privately, secretly, and the agreement is struck. Okay, you're it. You're going to be the disclosure president. That's the way it's going to work. And the people that are down there running the show, are not evil Illuminati devils. I mean, they are the national security people that are in charge of defending the country, and they have felt for a long time that the ET issue needed to be sequestered for national security reasons. Uh, once the Cold War was ended, that equation changed. And over time, I think they shifted, I believe, towards pro-disclosure. This is the sense that I have. And so they're not the enemy. Uh, but they are critical to the disclosure process. And yes, in past times, if a president wanted to know about this and were to knock on their door and say, What do you know? they weren't going to answer the door. Are they another government? No. The government is in control of the ET issue, right? The military intelligence complex and its secret world is part of the government, it's all one big hole. Uh and so yes, it's not like uh, there is another government in control. No, our government's in control. It's just that elements of our government, particularly the secret empire, are now cut off from the Congress and the president and they're not being uh they're not being oversaw. There is not there, there's well, there's just not enough internal transparency. And so the whole thing has become very dangerous. Um, essentially, systemically dangerous, uh, institutionally dangerous. Not that there's evil people down there looking okay. at it. Get... They do occasionally do some things which I consider to be wholly inappropriate. This is the way to look at it. And if you don't get the picture right, it's easy to rail against some part of it. Uh, and the reason people don't get the picture right is obviously the government's not issuing any statements about this uh and you know the efforts to enlighten uh, the people are only as good as the amount of access we have to the media but i can assure you if i can get on larry king i'll say exactly the same thing to his 3 million audience and any other program that we need to understand what's going on here it's not about obama having a burning desire to do this or what he knows it's about obama being reasonably acceptable to those who do run this issue so that when disclosure takes place, the President that they that are comfortable with will be able to address the issue in a way they consider appropriate and handle the implications and aspects of the post-disclosure world. Stephen, I
4: non-trivial matter. I hear what you're saying, but I have to, uh, I, I don't think I'm parsing terms here, but when when you're describing a situation where those people that are in charge of the disclosure issue tell the President, You're going to be the one that discloses. That is de facto a government above a a government. So I would say that, yes, there is a government above, uh, if you want to call it a shadow government. Uh, It's just 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 more complicated than that, uh, uh, Richard. Uh,
6: They have their world, all right? And with respect to their world, they... Uh, they, they have a certain amount of power and influence. And so when they keep from the president or from the Congress certain stuff, that is them acting within their world. Does that mean they control the government? No. Does that mean they can tell the president to do anything he wants? No. It just means, with respect to certain issues, they are, in a sense, kind of running the show. Okay, all let right? me. Get, but let, they're not invulnerable and they're not necessarily, uh, act, they don't believe they're acting against the government's interests. We need to reform the secret empire. There's no question about that. And that's doable. And one of the reasons why disclosure is so critical is the disclosure is probably the best chance we have to get into the basement of state and start to look at the entire national security uh, black world and, uh, and, and bring it under control and balance it out and okay. get it done right. Let's go to the phones. That, I don't think we can get down there.
4: All right. Let's uh, say hello to John in New Jersey. John, thanks for your patience.
8: Yes, uh, thank you for ta- thank you for taking my call.
4: All um, right, go ahead. You're on the line fire. with uh, Stephen okay, Bassett. Good,
8: good. Um, I myself would love to see dic- disclosure. There's something inside of me that would love to hear this uh, um, exposed. But good. Um, there's another part of me as far as the reality of how it would set into society. Um, this I forget which one of your two guests uh, mentioned would go to change history all the way going back to the flood, and that I agree. And when you mentioned the flood you have to, you're taking into consideration the Bible um, from the history uh, or back then to the present. You're also taking into consideration perhaps Greek history, Roman history. What would, for example, what would the professors do in a university if they found out that their, their divine, so to speak, subject is not number one on the list of importance in a university? You know, this is these are not the people who actually seeded civilization. It wasn't the Egyptians, Romans, or Greeks. But now we have another, another party involved. I'm just giving you one example to show you that just within the university complex, everything would be turned upside down. And when, so that when Podesta says, I think that the American people can handle it, I disagree with him entirely. I don't think they can, unless, unless you want some sort of revolution. If you want some sort of revolution, yes. Then you announce a disclosure, and you see what happens. You see what the world will bring to you. Um, if you don't want that, and you want something secure that's gonna- where the people can accept it. I think you wait to the point until the military can actually combat the UFO presence, and when they can militarily combat them, then you make the announcement.
4: All right, John. Listen, I, I, I hate to rush you along, and I thank you for the call, but I want to get uh, a few final words in here from my guests before we move on, but uh, but thank you uh, for your points. Uh, Victor, did you there's want to...
5: A, yeah, there's absolutely no question about it. This issue is how it's going to hit humanity, and I think that no one will disagree with the fact that this, this issue is going to hit humanity in a multiple number of ways. We can't even count the number of ways this issue will affect the humanity on a global scale, and I think that's why post-disclosure issues, and I know Stephen's very, very interested in these issues too, is how we're going to handle this in the long run. And I think a certain amount of wisdom acuity needs to be brought to bear as to how the political factions, not only here on the planet, but the whatever collective political factions exist beyond the planet can cooperate to allow this issue to manifest itself in a meaningful way on the planet so that we can engage ourselves with this issue in a meaningful way. And it, it, there, there's absolutely no way. It's all about how this thing is going to hit people.
8: Uh,
6: look, I'm, this comes up all the time. The, the, there's a couple points that should be made that you should factor in, including our, our, our listener. Uh, a good deal of all the speculation about you know, how, how chaotic it would be and how destructive it would be and how awful it would be is, in fact, pure propaganda. Put in out out there by the government, going all the way back to the Brookings report, deliberately put out there in order to dissuade people from again addressing the issue, stay away from it, particularly if you're inside the government and have have information, don't go to the New York Times, keep your mouth shut. you're going to bring down the civilization, destroy the world. It's propaganda, and it's simply not true. Uh, the rest, The effect of disclosure will be dramatic and profound, but the chaos, the collapse, all that stuff not going to happen. Uh, I don't believe it would have happened if disclosure had taken place in 1947. All right, we're dealing with massive propaganda. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't have to prepare for it. It doesn't mean that we don't need to keep our wits about us when disclosure does take place. But uh, this idea that we have to wait for what? Uh, if we're going to wait for us to be able to defend ourselves against extragalactic civilizations plan on waiting for several thousand years. Mm-hmm. Uh secondly, are we going to wait until we get our act together here and we all become peaceful, you know, you know, and love each other and the, the wars ended? Forget it. Not going to happen. Uh worse, it's going to happen regardless. The ET presence has been driving disclosure from the beginning. They, they they don't cloak themselves very well and and a lot of people are remembering, you know, having little get-togethers in their spaceships. So the whole thing is collapsing anyway. The, the truth embargo's collapsing. And so I think we need to reassess, look, We've been through plenty as a species. We'll be happy. We'll be fine with this. It's all over our movies. It's all over our televisions. It's on books and advertisements. We have almost total awareness of the issue. I can assure you, there's a lot more things out there that could happen that would be far more destructive than learning that there's extraterrestrials here, which most people already know to begin with. And more importantly, if we don't learn about the CT presence and break into the new paradigm and start rethinking our our world and ourselves, somebody is going to blow up a city with a nuclear war. We may end up with a total nuclear weapon rather a, a nuclear war. Bio war, who the hell knows? And things will really go to hell. And so it comes down to look, either we're here to learn and move forward, or we're here to hide out in the closet and be scared. And being scared and behind the closet never got any civilization anywhere, anyhow, anywho. And so let's just grow up and get on with it, all right? And stop making excuses for why we can't handle the truth. I, I think we've told us we can handle the truth because we can.
4: I think we can, Stephen, but here's my my concern. is And, and again, we're into the realm of speculation, but that's what we do. Uh, sure. It's all speculation yes. for now. So, but the people that might have this technology, alien technology, at mm-hmm. their disposal. they back-engineered it. They, they're they making use of it. They right. have it. They want to hold on to it. They don't want the rest of us to have it. They're willing to kill for it, maybe even a president.
6: Isn't... You're making an assumption that's not true, Richard. They, they, they have this technology. It has been sequestered. It has been sequestered because the truth embargo had to be maintained. Uh, obviously, they were interested in its weapon's possibilities, no question about that. But the people inside government, down in the military intelligence complex, are fully aware of melting ice caps, holes in the ozone, and, and millions of people dying every month from lack of food and water, and the threat of terrorism due to the asymmetric realities of this world. They know all of this threatens America's future. Uh, they they know the implications of this technology as well as we do, and I think that the majority of them, with some I'm sure exceptions. That are opposed for various reasons would like to see this tech out and 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 part of our world. Um, again, we have the, the secrecy and the truth embargo being maintained for so long and other actions by government has generated a very high level of distrust and cynicism amongst people. We are thinking the worst about everyone in government now I understand but let's but the fact is is that that's the pendulum swinging too far the
4: other direction. But you can't deny they have some of them have blood on their hands because they're allowing people to, to, uh, to go up in shuttles and die and they, they died on the Mercury launch pad and, and, mm-hmm. and, 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 on, and the Apollo program dying using ridiculous rocket fuel when yeah. we have anti-gravitic devices that are at our disposal they have blood on their hands and that's, that's unfortunate but uh,
6: guess what the same military intelligence complex that is maintaining the UFO issue also uh, uh, conducted the Cold War you may recall that conducting the Cold War included going to quote Vietnam to defend against the falling dominoes several million people were killed in Southeast Asia as part of our, quote, defense against the Soviet Union. There is so much blood on so many hands, I can assure you, that the blood of those 14 astronauts is a drop in a bucket. And so you have to look at the bigger picture. Overall, and since the Cold War ended, right, uh, we have been moving towards some kind of resolution of the secret empire. Where, where, there's a the potential for reform, Uh, There's still stupid stuff going on, and there's still plenty to be worried about. But the door is opening for us to really make a difference. The UFO issue is probably that door. It is there for us. We need to pass through it. We need to get this done. Once disclosure is done, it can't be undone. And therefore, everything else that we think about doing will be thought about in the post-disclosure world. And the ET reality, the, the, the fact we're not alone in a galaxy, will in fact be a factor in our thinking. It could change everything.
4: Stephen, we'll change everything, but we got to get it done. Stephen Bassett, paradigmresearchgroup.org. Thank you for this. My pleasure. We'll uh, look forward to having you on again real soon. Much to discuss.
6: Oh, and the X Conference, it's on May 7 through 9, National Press Club. The site is up, X Conference.com. Ter- like but come.
5: Terrific. Victor, Fantastic. Victor, as uh, always, thank you. And you're most welcome, Richard. And thank you, Stephen.
4: ExopoliticsCanada.ca exopoliticscanada.ca, Victor Vigiani. All right, Nils Hammerin, counting down to Armageddon. Is the EU the new Roman Empire? We'll discuss on the other side. My name is Richard Serrett.
8: We deal in illusions, man. None of it is true. But you people sit there day after day, night after night, all ages, colors, creed. We're all you know. You're beginning to believe the illusions we're spinning here. You're beginning to think that the tube is reality and that your own lives are unreal. You do whatever the tube tells you. You're dressed like the tube. You ate like the tube. You raise your children like the tube. You even think like the tube. This is mass madness, you maniacs. In God's name, you people are the real thing. We are the illusion. So turn off your television sets. Turn them off now. Turn them off right now. Turn them off and leave them off. Turn them off right in the middle of the second time
5: speaking to you now. Turn them off. Brainwashed in our childhood. Brainwashed
2: by the school. Brainwashed by our teachers and brainwashed by all the rules. Brainwashed by our leaders, by our kings and queens. Brainwashed in the open and brainwashed behind the scenes.
3: Live from Toronto, Canada. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM
2: 740.
3: The website is
4: richardserrett.com. Let me spell the last name because there is confusion. S-Y-R-E-T-T, Richard Serrett, S as in Simon, Y-R-E-T-T.com, richardserrett.com. And there you'll find out all about what's coming up on the program, including tonight's show. And if, you, uh, if you're if you on the homepage and, for example, you just click on uh, tonight's guest's uh, name, Stephen Bassett, that'll take you to his website. Victor Vigiani, that'll take you to his website. And uh, there is a past show archive where you can go on and listen to past shows. There's a book and DVD club, top secret documents uh, uh, page, a regular contributors uh, page. One of those regular contributors joins me now, and uh, he has been studying the uh, The Bible and end times prophecy uh, for longer than I have walked this earth, for over a half century, Nils Hamron has uh, made it his life uh, to study the Bible and to look for uh, prophecy in today's headlines. In other words, when you read about what's going on in the world today, is that in fact mentioned somewhere in the Bible that that was going to happen? Well, Nils uh, it has an incredible ability uh, to be able to, uh, to to see where biblical prophecy is in fact revealed in the news. And I thought it would be an interesting discussion uh, tonight uh, to talk about uh, the European Union uh, and whether or not it is uh, revealed in, the, uh, in, in, in biblical prophecy and further whether it is in fact the new Roman Empire. Because there is a lot of speculation uh, that uh, the EU model of the world, all of these independent countries coming together and then having one parliament and one constitution and one uh, 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 fiscal policy, etc This is going to be the model that we're going to see around the world, uh, in, first in Europe, then in North America, and then a pan-Asian uh, community, and then a pan-African community. And then all of these blocks will merge, and there will be, in fact, one world government. Uh, but the model... The architect uh, is in Europe. So, that having uh, been said, let us welcome, without further delay, the author of The Seal of the End Times, Mr. Nils, hammer Nils. Good to hear you again. How are you?
7: Richard Surrett, I am fine, and uh, it's good to hear your voice again, and uh, you're running a fantastic show up there. Thank we you. We are uh, down here in uh, New Jersey listening to you, even from that, Great distance to uh, Toronto.
4: It's a, a powerhouse station. That's uh, to be sure. That's All right, fantastic, Nils. The uh, the EU uh, is it in fact uh, to your thinking, your research? Does it indicate that it is the new Roman Empire?
7: In my research, I would say my answer would have to be: it is the half-formed uh, Roman Empire. We are moving from the European Union into what will be called ultimately the pan-european union and that will be taking place in other words the target for this formation of the pan-european union would be may first twenty fifteen
4: Where do you how do you arrive at that date may first twenty fifteen
7: well it this gets to be a very convoluted story but uh... you have to know certain things that went on in the second world war to have any idea or any concept of what will be happening in the future um, there were you you probably remember a project valkyrie which uh... was aimed at uh, killing hitler when he was in one of his bunkers Yes. and uh... it failed now people don't know much about that situation but hitler was only about five feet something within five feet of the actual explosion. He took a pounding on his chest, and a bronze plate in his chest broke. That bronze uh, plaque, actually, he carried with him everywhere, and on it was an image of the Spear of Longinus, uh, so-called the Spear of Destiny. He was practically uninjured. People died in that bunker, And the entire bunker was a mess. Other people were injured. He looked upon that as a divine uh signal to him that as long as he had the spear of Longinus he was invincible. And he then took upon himself to design and set up Project Valkyrie Zwei in German words. That is Valkyrie two. In other words, he says to himself and to his circle of friends, uh, look, they couldn't kill me, and what I'm saying to you is we're now going to set up Valkyr uh, Zwei, which is going to be another divine movement on my part, and we will succeed in it because I am invincible. That project was to move the treasure of the Third Reich to the South, well to the South. Some went to the South Pole, some went offshore from Patagonia in Argentina.
4: You're talking about the Nazi war plunder, the gold bars, the priceless works of art, the the untold billions of dollars that they stole as they rampaged across Europe.
7: Yes, there's another uh, disc that is very interesting to watch, and that is The Rape of Europa, which does cover the plunder of art all through Europe, and even in Russia. Uh, the greatest plunder appears to have happened in France, but uh, that is only part of the story. You have um, 30 submarines now scuttled off the coast of Patagonia. They, uh, the crews were not killed when they scuttled those ships. Every crew member was saved they were moved by rubber boats to the shoreline they were assimilated into the argentine culture but they first passed through a ranch which was set up by the germans for that purpose deep inside of uh, argentina
4: in other words so uh, just to summarize here uh... nils Uh, Hitler ordered all of the Nazi plunder to be squirreled away in some secret location somewhere in the South Pole and and, and in Patagonia uh, in order uh, to one day resurrect the Third Reich.
7: Yes, and it would be called the the Fourth Reich, but instead of uh, being so blunt about it, it will be called the Pan-European Union. uh, There are tens of thousands of people Including many monarchs that are working with vast funds to make this happen. And it is, at this point in time, I would say it is pretty much unstoppable. Some of the plunder that was in the South Pole has already been retrieved by the new members of the coming Fourth Reich. And that, uh, some of the uh, items included some extremely rare uh, pieces, and one of them is again the spear of Longinus. That spear, uh, the original spear, not the copy, was actually brought to Materi, Louisiana to a f- person by the name of Colonel Howard Vickner.
4: Just to, and just to recap the the spear of uh, destiny, as it is also called, was the spear that the Roman centurion used to pierce Christ's side while, during the crucifixion to make sure that he was he was dead. Uh, right. And this this spear is supposedly uh, holds within it uh, uh, incredible uh, occult power. Whoever wields the spear, people like Charlemagne, and uh, 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 um, I don't know if Napoleon had it, but uh,
7: Charlemagne
4: and 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 no, um,
7: Napoleon never got it. Okay, but
4: many of these these leaders that had the spear were almost invincible in battle.
7: That is correct. Okay, so now. The information that I have about that spear came largely to me from Colonel Howard Bickner. Uh, he was a um, surgeon with the uh, 45th Thunderbird Division, and he was in uh, Germany as the uh, concentration camps were being uh, uh, opened up. In other words, the uh, people in there were being uh, released, it was a chaotic scene uh, one of the uh, concentration camps that he went to was Dachau and he was working with a team of german officers uh it was like a cooperative effort to get the concentration camps opened up with at least with the least amount of um, danger to both the germans the civilians and to the people inside uh So it was done with joint teams. In other words, the guards were told to step aside, lay down their arms. Uh, People that were in the concentration camps themselves were told, you know, take it easy, we are going to be fed in a few minutes. Uh, But part of that team was Colonel Howard Bickner, and he was quite a man. He was a surgeon in the United States. His practice was in Louisiana. And through his efforts to uh, help the people in the concentration camps and also help uh, German war prisoners, he became uh, very good friends with some very highly placed people in the German uh, Reich. Uh, One of them was the uh, captain of a sub, and uh, that captain eventually became an American citizen. He was a friend of Howard's, and between those two, I was able to obtain a photograph of the spear and put it in the book. That uh, photograph that's in that book is a rare photo, and uh, it, it came from Howard. And the only reason Howard had a photo was because the German team... Uh, Retrieved all those items that they had in the ice cave that they they needed right away.
4: I'm just a little confused as to why uh, the uh, these Nazi U-boat commanders that were bringing this uh, Hitler's uh, goal to South America and the South Pole would befriend uh, this uh, Howard Bickman, who was uh, sounds like a humanitarian trying to, to bring comfort to the Jews that were uh, that were in the concentration camps. Why would? Uh, these Nazis befriend him?
7: Okay, that's a good question. Now when you look at his name, Bickner, spelling is completely different than what it sounds like. He was of German origin. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he spoke uh, very good German and had uh, German relatives in Germany. Um, Also the fact that he had uh, contacts with high American officials and all of these things he used uh... to his advantage to make things easier for some nazi officers if he could do that uh... to give them uh... Um, ways out of their situations at the end of the war all this was happening at the very end of the war and um, he, uh... he kept his word if he said something to uh... somebody uh, they felt that they could trust him maybe he, uh... was one of the few people they could trust and he uh... He played that to the hilt because he felt he was able to do his work better with their cooperation as well.
4: Okay, all right.
7: So it yeah. was a two-way street. Uh,
4: so the, uh, the the spear of Longines then resides in Louisiana, and uh, so how does that figure into the, the reemergence of the uh, the Third Reich now to be called the Fourth Reich or the Pan-American or the Pan- right. Pan-European Union?
7: Good question. The central power in uh, the Third Reich was the uh, circle of 13. Thirteen top officials, one of them Hitler, the, the other 12 were like the apostles. And they had at the core of their membership the Spear of Longinus. Uh, all the people in that circle were people we know, like uh, uh, Himmler and Heidler and Hess and the rest of those uh, people. We're all part of that circle. The circle met once in a while at Wolfsburg Castle near Paderborn uh, in Germany. And uh, the fact is that they were actually trying to do something pretty uh, monstrous, uh, which was basically racial. It was not um, religious. It was racial. And they were uh, out to eliminate what they considered inferior people, in the world, and this is going to be a very similar replay with the Fourth Reich. Some of the principles of the Third Reich are going to be imprinted on the Fourth Reich, and that is why Christians will be under attack, that is why people that are even agnostics will be under attack, because they don't fit the racial profile. In fact, while they were doing studies in Germany about racial profiles, they favored the Nordic race. Because they would take measurements of people's skulls, eye socket locations, and all kinds of things to find out what are the characteristics of the ideal race so that they could uh, further their cause. And uh, they had a high regard for the Nordics. They felt that they were um, maybe the best uh, example of human existence. I don't know. I happen to be of Nordic extraction myself, so I don't think that holds much water. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> anyway, All right. Let me just remind, uh, you know,
4: uh, just let me remind uh, listeners that uh, Nils Hammerin is with us. Seal of the End Times is the is the book, and uh, we're talking about biblical prophecy, and much has been made, sort of the comparisons between uh, the uh, the uh, the Roman Empire, the new Roman Empire, uh, and the European Union. Uh, and, uh, well, Nils... The,
7: you, I, the I information, just, Richard, that yeah. I'm trying to get across here, came from the sub-commander... And some of the German parties, you know, that actually were part of the original circle of thirteen.
4: Okay, so th- these are pretty despicable characters, obviously to say the least. I mean, these are the these are. Um,
7: they were top drawer German uh, officials.
4: Nazis, right? Well, I and, don't know. I, I wouldn't use the word top drawer, but uh, yeah, we're talking about pure evil here.
7: Absolutely. Now the thing is, one of them became an American citizen and had actually maybe recanted much of his earlier. Uh, you know, life, and, and just decided to go on. I do know that Howard Bickner was not necessarily a strong Christian. He was just like a humanitarian, and he saw things in, in the eyes of a surgeon. He was a very, very advanced surgeon. In fact, he was uh, uh, the uh, surgeon of the entire uh, infantry regiment that he was in, and uh, a very skilled man. He had written 200 books on surgery and he had contacts all over the world and uh, he wrote papers and people uh, respected those papers but he was really interested in what is going on with germany and he looked upon it as his germany and that is one of the reasons he cultivated friendship with these german people he ran into when he was doing the concentration camps now what he got from that was none of them had given up in fact the whole Third Reich was more or less just the foundation of the Fourth Reich.
4: Well, it's, it was... it's it's interesting to know this is a. Uh, uh, I'm pretty sure this is pretty much based in historical fact. the the at, at the close of the war in Europe, anyway, the the German army surrendered, uh, but the actual the Third Reich, the the Nazis, never really did. Uh, the Chancellor, who, re, who who replaced Hitler, and when he after he took his life at the bunker never signed a surrender document. So, in effect, the Nazis never conceded defeat.
7: No, they just sort of disappeared.
4: They moved their base of operation.
7: Yes, basically. Now, to look at this whole thing with a a broader stroke, uh, by the way, these Germans were only in uh, Louisiana, in the U.S., to meet with uh, Bickner and to show him the spear, which he had never seen. And to let him hold it in his hands and so forth, and get a very good photograph of it, and to do that. And uh, they were there for about three days, and then they went back to uh, Austria, taking the spear and all the equipment that they had with them. And, of course, it was easy for them to travel in those days because uh, borders were wide open. You could do anything you wanted. But looking at a bigger picture and uh, using the view of the Bible on how all this is playing out, uh, it, it may be a little easier to start looking at some of the large uh, overriding considerations that are going on in the, in the world. The Earth right now is sliding from human control into divine control. And the reason for that is that no human being is now capable of running the world, such as the New World Order. Anyone that would take up that mantra would not be able to uh, control it. Global warming or global cooling and all those things are really out of human control no matter what they think about going green. Uh, that will have to be controlled by divine power, and it will be. And uh, right now, as I can say, uh, I've had very, very odd experiences to say the least in my life, in the years and years that I've been uh, studying prophecy and writing the book, um, I can say without any question that the elements of the coming kingdom are on the earth now.
4: So you're talking about uh, biblical prophecy, talking about end times and the the emergence of an antichrist, but you're also saying that uh, the the, uh, the, the, the forces, uh, you know, the final battle between good and evil. Well, the evil forces are, are, uh, are assembling now, and they will be in the guise of the, the Fourth Reich. So that's going to be the enemy, once again, essentially Nazis, right? Is that what you're saying?
7: Basically, it will be um, racist. And uh, the uh, Antichrist himself has his own agenda. It's not necessarily what uh, Hitler would have had. Uh, the Antichrist, of course, is very aware of the forces for good, and this changes the uh, the matrix a little bit. Okay, but let's
4: get to the May fifteenth, two thousand, May one, two thousand and fifteen. You're saying that this will be the will mark the rise of this fourth Reich.
7: It will be the rise of the fourth Reich. It's called the Pan European Union. It will be increasingly difficult to avoid their control. Their tentacles will be worldwide. They will be friendly at first, beneficial at first. They will be uh, helping people with health problems. They will be solving complex electronic problems. How do you uh, handle money between all these different countries and different uh, societies? How are we going to handle... Uh, people dying of diseases, why aren't these uh, diseases being addressed,
8: you
4: know? But Nils, listen, I'm I'm not a huge fan of the European Union just simply because I believe in the nation-state. I don't like, you know, the idea of, of of Canada merging with the United States either. But it's one thing to be, you know, to, to uh, oppose that sort of a major trading bloc and another to suggest that the EU is going to uh, transform into this pan-European thing and then from there become essentially a Fourth Reich. I mean, you're not at all, at least I hope you're not, suggesting that, uh, let's say, for example, the Prime Minister of the UK, uh, Gordon Brown, or some of these European parliamentarians are, are, uh, are Nazis. That's not what you're saying, is it? I hope not.
7: No, it's not what I'm saying, but what I am saying is that many of the people, uh, Soros, uh, Kissinger, uh, Rockefeller, these people... Do not fit the racial profile of the Fourth Reich. They will not be moving into positions of power in the Fourth Reich. I think I alluded to this once before on another show. Right. Um, what we're moving, what we're seeing now, is the selectivity of what is to be, and it's not what a lot of people think.
4: Ah, in other words, the people that we we often think of when we think about uh, you know the globalists and the new world order, and uh, yes, Kissinger's name comes up and the Rockefellers. In other words, those people that the conspiracy theorists that think those are the ones that are going to be running the show are dead wrong because, as you say, you know Kissinger doesn't fit the racial profile, and a lot they're of them
7: in, they're in for for one reason and that is the money and the power, and the privileges, and that does not put them in line for the pan-European union.
4: All right. So again, can you quickly just tell us how you arrived at May 1, 2015 for the emergence of the Fourth Reich?
7: That came from the very mouth of one of the members of the Committee of Thirteen. Okay. And that was the subcommander who was aboard the U-530 going down to the South Pole, one of 30 submarines. Uh, He was not in command of that submarine at the time. He was just given a token duty and that was to be in charge of torpedoes, and I don't believe they had any torpedoes on board. Their main thrust was to move 50 personnel, German personnel, to Patagonia, and later to offload uh, several boxes of highly valuable uh, items at the ice cave. It took them 19 days to offload that equipment because they could not find the ice cave. And recently, when it was... Retrieved those same items were retrieved in 1979. Um, it only took them uh, two hours to locate the ice cave.
4: All right, Nils, um, got to end it there. I've got um, another important matter to uh, discuss before we close the lights here on the conspiracy show. Uh, we'll have to pick this up again on, on another uh, show. I, I think we basically got the gist of it, though. The the emergence of the the Fourth Reich.
7: I would want to just let one last thing hit your audience, uh, Richard, if we could, and that is that we are so uh, imbued with the idea of UFOs. Uh, The Bible uh, speaks of vehicles that look like UFOs, but they're actually cherubim angels, and they travel in a vehicle that looks or sounds like a wheel within a wheel. Uh, We don't know they're cherubim angels until you actually study the Bible ten chapters away from where it is mentioning that the uh, the uh, sheriffs are actually coming to the planet from time to time it finally states ten chapters away that they are cherubim angels.
4: Alright, well I, you and I are of a like mind on that. I, 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 I simply think we cannot ignore that uh, possibility uh, that we were talking about uh, a demonic or angelic uh, entity when we're talking about UFOs. That's Probably not uh, someplace I would go with Stephen Bassett. I don't think he'd be receptive to that. However, Nils, thank you for this. We'll uh, talk again soon. My
7: pleasure, Richard.
4: All right. Seal of the End Times. We'll uh, pick it up on the other side with Nelson Thal talking about uh, tectonic weaponry and whether the horrific situation in Haiti was caused by such a weapon.
8: The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society, and we are as a people, inherently and historically, opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings.
3: Don't be afraid of the dark. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. To talk to Richard, call 416-360-0740. Or toll-free in Ontario at one eight six six seven forty four seven forty.
4: All right. Very quickly, if you're interested in getting into talk radio, either hosting or producing, uh, then I encourage you to go to the website richardserrett.com. If you click on the, uh, there's a little uh, logo there on the right. It says. Uh, Talk the Talk with uh, AM740's Richard Serrett. Click on that. It'll give you all the details of a talk radio course I will be offering starting Thursday, February the 18th. It's 39 hours, spread over 13 weeks. So again, richardserrett.com. Or you can contact the Toronto Media and Film College, torontomediafilmcollege.com, torontomediafilmcollege.com. All right. All right. Uh, I want to uh, uh, play a, a little uh, news uh, story here that, uh, that that ran not too long ago in the wake of this hor- horrific uh, earthquake in uh, Haiti.
9: And Venezuelan leader Hugo Chavez has once again accused the United States of playing God but this time it's haiti's disastrous earthquake that he thinks the u.s. was behind spanish newspaper ABC quotes chavez as saying that the u.s. navy launched a weapon capable of inducing a powerful earthquake off the shore of haiti he adds that this time it was only a drill and the final target is destroying and taking over iran the existence of a tectonic weapon has never been proved but its use is often suspected by conspiracy theorists for example the leader of georgia's green party accused Russia of being behind an earthquake on Georgian territory in 2002.
4: All right. Uh, well, not surprising comments from uh, someone like Hugo Chavez. Uh, he's either the devil uh, himself or he is, uh, well, depending on where you sit, he, you might believe and he's entirely right. Now, coincidentally, not coincidentally, uh, my poll question uh, this week on richardserat.com it reflects that possibility did a directed energy weapon such as harp cause the killer earthquake in haiti now we have the uh, the death toll uh... in haiti in the port-au-prince region alone topping one hundred and fifty thousand this of course after the uh... the seven point zero richter scale quake rocked this impoverished uh, country back on january the twelfth now uh this is a a very delicate situation It's a we're talking about unimaginable tragedy uh, yet the the rumors persist out there and there is some research to suggest that such a weapon might exist but i think when we do a show like this we simply have to go there we have to ask that question is it possible such a, a technology uh, could exist and was it wielded against uh... haiti back on jan twelfth? uh... so I thought I'd uh, enlist the, uh, the help of a, a regular uh, on the program, a dear friend of the program, is a uh, media scientist and an uh, archivist for the late Marshall McLuhan, and a uh, broadcaster in his own right. He has a, uh, a program I called Shock Talk, and uh, you, can, um, you can listen to that at cloakanddagger.ca. Uh, and, of course, I'm referring to Nelson Thal. Nelson, welcome. Hey, how are you doing, Richard? Great being back. Uh, thanks for joining us. Well, let me—we don't have a lot of time, but let me ask you: Is this—is Hugo Chavez off his rocker? I mean, is it—is it possible that that uh, this type of energy or this weapon could exist that you could cause an earthquake with something like Harp?
2: Well, I think that uh, Richard, you and I both know the human condition is blinded by science. So the cover-up that's been done on the true level of technology available to the major militaries. And certain drug cartels, people don't really realize it. But let's remember U.S. Defense Secretary William Cohen in 1997, quote, said they can alter climate, set off earthquakes, volcanoes remotely through the use of electronic magnetic waves. So the Secretary of Defense Cohen said they've got the ability to do it and they can do it with a cell phone.
4: He said As that. When,
2: Secretary of Defense William Cohen.
4: When did he say I mean, that? Tom
2: Bearden's written about it. This is old news now. This stuff that I've been following this since the mid-70s. The eco-terrorism uh, uh. using scalar electromagnetic weapons and CNN's had hurricanes do button hooks and they've shown it on TV. So it hasn't been totally hidden but, I mean, you know, but, uh, Skolnick and I both wrote about it and we called it the Harpicane and the Harpaquake, and um, they, this technology comes out of Tesla research in harnessing the difference between the uh, north and south magnetic pole flux. Mag- it's magnetic. It's power driven through the magnetic differences, the difference between the north and the south poles. They harness that energy, and it has tremendous ability. And there were people who we met who said they could blast sand traps off the moons of Saturn.
4: Well, there there were so some rather technology th-
2: exists, and it took out the two space shuttles, and it took out world, it took out the World Trade Center.
4: Well, yeah, I've had that conversation with Dr. Judy Wood, the the, the possibility that the World Trade Center towers so, were brought you know, down by directed energy. But let me ask you, the but there there, uh, the, granted, there were some rather unusual things I'm told going on. Uh, in in Haiti, uh, the idea that we have an earthquake that the with the epicenter uh, in uh, Port-au-Prince and it's uh, I believe it was about five miles down, and yet here we have a tiny island nation. It caused no tsunami. Uh, one would expect with an earthquake like that, you'd have an accompanying tsunami. Would that be a signature of a of a, a scalar type directed energy weapon in it causing an earthquake? There'd be no accompanying tsunami.
2: It could be, but it doesn't necessarily, isn't necessary and sufficient though. I mean, there were, there's other measurements that are obvious that, um, uh, when you take a look at the system that was set up to protect the continent from hurricanes, in the last year, if you recall, a hurricane was, came at the United States and it rolled up the coast and went up and hit the Maritimes. So it, it has a defense system there in place, which now has been attacked.
4: Uh, in other words, this technology can not only be used to cause uh, hurricanes, tsunamis, earthquakes, like in Haiti, but it it can also be used fields. to defend the nation. So, defend
2: the nation so this is
4: how attack. wars are being fought right now, then, you're saying, with scalar technology. The, 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 the Russians or the Chinese or whomever are launching scalar attacks against the U.S., and then they're reciprocating.
2: That's right, exactly. But the thing is this, I don't think it's any nation. They're not sure who it is. It's a drug cartel can do it now.
7: A
4: drug cartel would have uh, such technology at its disposal.
2: Now to hire that act to, to buy time on that equipment.
4: Uh, what, a- are, what are some of the other signatures of, uh, uh, do we know, of, of um, a, a, an, artif- if I can use the word, artificial earthquake, if in fact that's what happened in Haiti, what were some of the other mysterious things that would, would, would sort of lead one to believe that, that it was caused by a directed energy weapon?
2: Well, they've been playing around with the weapon around, and it's been seen in the sky now more and more. And um, there's been uh, dust clouds in the sky and harp clouds in the sky. And uh, so it's, it's like they've been firing it off. If so there you know are, what I mean? So there's a they've signature,
4: been, you're saying. They've there's... been
2: firing it.
4: The other thing, interesting thing was that, uh, that uh, so close to the Dominican Republic border, and yet there was absolutely no damage in the Dominican Republic. Would that exactly. be an another... Exactly. That would be another well, signature. Look how
2: surgical it was uh, uh, at the World Trade Center.
4: <laughs> well, now Chavez, Hugo Chavez, uh, and again, I personally don't put a lot of uh, uh, value in what what he has to say, but I could be wrong. But but he, he's saying that this was this directed energy weapon was used against Haiti uh, as a test because it's really going to be used against Iran. What do you hear? What do you know about that? Well,
2: put it this way, um, they can use it in, the, in Iran if they want to, but the thing is it may not have as much use in Iran for them as other places.
4: And uh, so then why Haiti? I mean, they have nothing. Uh, well, the
2: thing is uh, uh, Haiti is a, is, a, is a leg for, you know, remember, in the, it's a leg for the, uh, the shield. It's one of those installations that houses the technology that keeps the shield up, that so, leg of the shield. Remember in the movie uh, Star Wars, uh, they had to break into the – the Death Star was protected by a, a tractor being beam, beamed from a moon to protect it, Right. So in other so words, this, this was they a... Protect the North American content, uh, continent with uh, uh, one of the legs of the, of the tractor beams is in the Haitian area.
4: So in other words, they, um, uh, for national security purposes, they had to disguise what is, um, will amount to a military takeover as a humanitarian effort.
2: Well, it basically it's an outside attack in this war, this ongoing petrodollar war. It's an attack on uh, our defenses.
4: But if you, oh, I see. So it's 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 someone else launching the scalar attack against yeah, Haiti, it's not it's the United States. Organization
2: launching ah, it. They have,
4: I see. Okay, they wow.
2: Can't pinpoint. It's not the Russians anymore. It's, it used to be. It used to be the French and the Russians, but now the technology is available to drug cartels.
4: You know, Nelson. I, I have to admit, I'm, it, I am. I, um, I, I've I've talked about you know scalar technology on the show, and I, I talked to uh, the, 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 the 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 former uh, TV weatherman uh, Scott Stevens. Uh, who um, who's talked a lot about? Well, he quit his job as a weatherman once he realized that it was weather was being manufactured and it was all a, a hoax, as he put it. But yeah. um, I don't know. It just seems to me almost over the pale that 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 we can actually have we we can actually cause earthquakes. I mean, I'm someone I don't believe in man made global warming for that very reason. I don't. I think that we're so small and insignificant with, com, compared to the weather. Uh, that, it, that, you know, we can't have that kind of an impact on the climate. But, but that will rem- remember what happened. is, is they Remember what they did is they took
2: these Hughes Tool and Summa Corporation, took these, that, these ships, and what they did is they had the ability to bring subs up from the bottom of the seabed. So they took the same ships, and they started laying cables from the north to the south pole. And these cables are the size of buildings. These cables are the size of the the CN Tower in Toronto. And they start laying them from one end to the other of of the planet. And so they now harness the energy between the two north and south poles. And you know that if you take a north magnetic magnet with north and you take south and you put it together, you can't push it together. There's a force there that keeps it apart. And they harness that, and that gives them tremendous power.
4: Wow. Well, if that technol- well I, I, as you have always told me, Nelson, and when you're looking at—I'm
2: not. I'm not. Uh, I'm, not uh, I'm just saying. You know, the, the experts have written about it. It's right. Not, right. It's. It's. It's out there. Well, the people behind the scenes have talked about it, and the experts are talk, have talked about it. So, <laughs> it's, it's 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 everybody knows it except the, the masses.
4: Well, the, the thing that you've always sort of drilled into my head over the years is when when you're asking if something uh, you know was a conspiracy or whether it actually happened that way, you say number one, uh, you know, do they have the technology at their disposal? Um, and you're saying in this case, yes, they do. Uh, whoever I, they I'm may be,
2: Defense Secretary William Cohen and a and a host of other experts say they do.
4: That's a frightening, frightening uh, uh, prospect, I have to say. If uh, if uh, someone like a drug uh, cartel has at its disposal the capability of causing a, uh, a an earthquake or a, a or a hurricane, uh, all uh, all bets are off, and and uh, all the rules of war. Uh, you can just throw those out the window. Listen, Nelson, uh, always appreciate you, uh, you uh, participating in the program. How can people listen to, uh, to
5: Shock Talk?
2: Uh, just go to www.cloakanddagger.ca or of course, fortunately we have a safe haven in Germany, Deutschland, www.cloakanddagger.de and uh, we covered this week the story of, we called it the Haiti quake, Piercing, O Prince, O Power,
6: O Air.
4: Ah, all right. uh, A poet. Uh, We can add that to uh, your many credits. Nelson, thank you. All right, my friend. All right, back next week with a uh, rather unusual remote viewing experiment right here in the studio. Check my website for more details richardserret.com. Dan Ellison, thank you for your capable work, as always. Victor Vigiani and uh, Stephen Bassett, thank you to them. And uh, in the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light and what I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite, I'm coming home. Good night.
0: This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.